there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Hey scaredy cats, welcome back to another episode of the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre The Coffee Slurping Horror Podcast where it was unique to others in that um, the title of this podcast is a great pun is uh, a great pun. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode title is a movie that we are we going to watch in this episode and then we're going to talk about it live. So you clicked on this one because you want to watch or you want to hear us talk about this movie in particular. Poltergeist 2. The Other Side. The Other Side. Yeah. I didn't know there was a subtitle until this morning. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> or not even a subtitle, a longer title. Yeah, just the, what do you call that after the colon? Isn't a subtitle? Bonus words. Bonus words, extra title. It's extra probably title. subtitle. I feel like it's subtitle. Uh, the Freeling family have a new house, but their troubles with supernatural forces don't seem to be over. <laughs> oh no, they didn't build on ancient burial ground again. Oh no. <laughs> Maybe the key is to actually build a house on a burial ground. <laughs> they ask the medium, is like, all right, we can't live here. Do you know any place we could sublet or anything? <laughs> She's like, sure. <laughs> this house isn't clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm, we're only doing this so I could do more Zelda Rubenstein voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was, and uh, most recently, I, I haven't seen her since. Uh, Lester Vernon? Lester Verler. Leslie Vernon? Be- behind the mask, the rise behind of Leslie mask. Vernon. Welcome to the library. <laughs> <laughs> she's such a funny person. Yeah, she's, well, it's a funny voice. <laughs> but, and also, she's super little and has that, like, squeaky little voice. Like, which, is, she's a little mouse. Yeah, which is what makes her so great. In mm-hmm. the horror genre, mm-hmm. yeah, she's just quint- quintessential. And there's this actually this other movie that's been brought to my attention recently that she's in from the '80s. Oh, I forget. I'll have to look up what it was called. But she's in more horror genre yep. movies, and um, yeah, we can get our fix other than just the Poltergeist franchise. Mm-hmm. Is she? I, I should have looked this up. She's in this one, right? Is she? Oh yeah, everyone's back, man. Everyone's back except yeah. the oldest daughter. Yeah, she's like away at school or something. They're, they were going to include that and show her like a little bit, but after the first movie, she got, the actress got murdered by her boyfriend. That's what that's what happened to in her? real life. Yeah. Oh, so this is part. Oh God, this is part of what's known as like the Poltergeist curse. Yes, we talked about this. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. All the shit that's happened. So that's Poltergeist we, kills people. Yeah, the franchise kills people involved with the project. Yeah. The oldest daughter died, and. Now we're starting to see the fruits of that curse. So the oldest daughter died in between the first one and the second one. Mm. And then I think during the third one, the youngest daughter was killed or died from some... I don't think she was killed. She was, she died from some uh, health thing. Oh, okay. Some freak health thing that came out of nowhere. But what the God, fuck, man? God. Yeah. There's not a lot of movies where you hear about losing multiple people like that. I know. So, I mean, it's a horrific thing, but that's the reason why she's not back. But everyone else is involved in this movie. Uh, scaredy cats let us know um if you're a real history horror buff i feel like that might also be the case for in just having like strange deaths on set Mm -hmm. um with nosferatu Mm. i think that happened in that movie yeah you mentioned this when you did you talked about it on another app yeah a long time ago yeah because shadow the vampire was the movie made about it so right so like there was enough things that happened in the making of nosferatu that they could make a Mm -hmm. a movie with willem dafoe 
And there's there's one more that this brings to mind about like weird shit happening on set. Oh yeah. Oh well, I mean fucking Twilight Zone the movie. This is a controversial thing to bring up because John Landis is a beloved horror director, mm-hmm. but apparently due to his negligence, a bunch of people died on that set. Oh shit. Yeah. I have to look into that. Maybe shouldn't even say that on the podcast. I don't want to get you don't <laughs> into wanna. some legal trouble. Ooh, right. Slander. Anyways. Uh, no, it's, this is hearsay. We're just yes. reporting on hearsay. Yes, we're reporting on the things that we read online. Yeah, yeah I don't know about what happened. this movie. I wasn't there, but it's worth, you know, mentioning that it's part of the mythos and it's worth looking into. It absolutely is. And I, I'm sure he obviously defends himself against these kind of claims sure. or whatever. But yeah, so that's out there. This is a thing that happens. There are some horror movies that have real life death associated with it. Maybe we could include The Crow in this. Yeah. Where Brendan Lee was killed mm-hmm. on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And they're making a new one or did that Eternally. just fall apart? Eternally. Oh. I think it just fell apart. But <laughs> Eternally. <laughs> this is seriously, this yeah, is one thing yeah, that yeah. we always hear about a new crow movie coming out and it never seems to manifest. The new spawn movies finally happening. Fine. Yeah. Well, we'll see with Jamie Foxx apparently. Yeah, that's awesome. Jamie Foxx will do a you good like job. You like that casting? Yeah, I do. As someone who knows spawn way more oh, than I do. Michael J. White could just still do it. <laughs> He's just still ripped and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> who is he? Is he uh, like MMA fighter, wrestler? He's just an actor. He was in uh, Black Dynamite. Okay. Did you see that movie? I did not. I feel like you and I should watch that movie. Okay. At some point. It like ranks for me with Hot Rod in just like pure hysterical funny. Huh. Yeah. Kind of like a little lower budge. It's great. Who's the lead of that one again? Michael Jai White. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah. So the writers, Mark Victor and Michael Grace, were the other two co-writers on the original with Steven Spielberg. Okay. So, so that's the lineage that carries on yeah, from the first one to the second. Which is pretty awesome. It's like, okay, let's let, you know, Spielberg, he's, he's going to do other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's get the two people that sat in the room with him and helped him write it, let them do it on yes. their own and write the sequel. That's great. Yeah, it is great. Um, and we know that the movie wasn't incredibly well received critically, mm-hmm. we especially it. not as well as the first one. 5.6 on IMDb, 37 Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and that they made a lot of money. The sorry, the first one did or the sequel? second one. The second one made well, they made too? they made money. I think it was nineteen mil budge and then forty million is what they brought in. That's that's worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, they made it back. Uh, so well, they doubled yeah what they spent. And you're just that's not actually going to happen. Like you have a big horror first movie, the sequel is going to make money. Like, yeah. are there okay? What are circumstances other than straight to video ones where a sequel doesn't at least make its money back? You know. I bet there are well, limited examples. I'm sure there are a few, but in these days, like with the new like Blumhouse experience, like putting a four or five million dollar movie out, or even like three and a half million these days, yeah, they like people know it's like all just a little computer After Effects team that makes you know your visuals, so you can make your movies incredibly cheap, Absolutely. and that's the new horror standard these days. Speaking of three point five million mm-hmm. for Scare and Tell this week. Scare and Tell. Scare and Tell. I want to play a game. <laughs> God damn it, Dave. <laughs> Get out of here, Dave's game quarter. Your time will come. Um, I saw Strangers Pray at Night. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I watched I, it. You might have uh, seen that in some Instagram stories. Yep. I storied up a little bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then stopped. Pretty funny. A little, a little snarky at the top. Um, yeah. 3.5 million, 1 million of which went entirely to Christina Hendricks. Yeah. <laughs> who was on set for one week? Probably. Jeez, maximum. Absolutely. Which maximum. is like good for her. That mm-hmm. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I just kept thinking of 
like wow you come in you know you, you have your few scenes yeah. you have to memorize maybe like a couple pages of dialogue and you get a million bucks yeah that's nice and they just had to for like strangers too they needed to put some star power in there to get people to go see it totally totally without a doubt that's why she's there yeah and they probably made that money back on her oh yeah i think it was a sorry about the lawnmower scaredy cats I think it was... Here, I'll cancel it out. <laughs> um, I, I Obviously, it made its money back. Enough people saw it. 3.5 million is enough. You have it just off the fandom of the first one alone, even though yeah. it's been like 11 years. And even though those people will walk out, not yeah. necessarily pleased with what they saw. Holy shit. I, the dialogue was atrocious. Yeah. I, I really, really hated it for the first um like hour or so even the set felt bullshitty to me like just this trailer park that was wide open with kind of the fog shooting like it just it wasn't really believable it didn't feel like a real place um so i really hated it for most of the way until um i really liked that they broke the mythology i like that the strangers could be killed yes fuck yeah Mm -hmm. that is that is the most brilliant thing you can do with this sequel. I agree. Let them die. Great. Take it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. This, the most kind of phoned in thing they could have done is the same thing where they just, the, the strangers kill and they drive off at the end. That would have made this like one of the worst movies ever. But yeah. the fact that they allow him to be killed is wonderful. It makes that pool scene amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> just like, yeah, from the moment of the, the younger, the son being like, how does it feel now? And then being chased into the, like I, I was glued to the screen, eyes yeah. wide open that whole sequence. Like yeah. you said, you teased I told it. You, yeah, that, yeah. That's the best scene in the movie. It's just so well done. It's like, man, if you just had some more time and extrapolated what made that sequence so good, yeah, you could have done well with this movie rather than all those stupid ass, like jump mask scares where there's just oh. a mask person behind you. It every so second much potential. Shot. And like knowing that, Oh, they are allowing them to be killed. That to me is the ingredients for it. this could have been so so much better the whole way through. Like if they if they kind mm-hmm. of tease that earlier, like you know, show them getting injured or something kind of earlier into the act, yeah. had better writing of dialogue. The backstory was just nothing. It was just a placeholder. Like they were, I didn't believe oh, any yeah. of these characters or people or the relationships that they had to one another. It just yeah. it just seemed ridiculous. It, I was like, I'm thankful that all these people are gonna die because yeah. you can't fix these relationships. <laughs> but then from the pool scene and then the scene on the bridge too, I thought was shot mm. beautifully. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. There's one, there's one a moment where she's crawling away from the truck on fire going yes. behind her. And the way that's all framed is like a beautiful shot. Just gorgeous. It just looks incredible. Dude, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. They do have a, a good third act admittedly. Yeah. It's a great third act, yeah. which is so backwards onto how these things usually are like a bad sequel. Usually yeah. you're like, okay, there's some interesting things set up, but they don't know what to do with it here. The whole build up, the whole first hour is just, just such bullshit. And then the third act is quite enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. They could have done so much better. But uh-huh. I mean, that's that's the game we play here with horror movies is just, you know, you go into a movie that's got a good concept mm-hmm. that comes from a good first movie or whatever, and you hope to get as much good out of it as possible. But mm-hmm. frequently, you get these movies that drop the ball for most of the time, but then, you know, show a little bit of their pedigree, you know, where it counts, I guess. Yeah. So that's why I walked away most, like not mostly enjoying it, but with a a positive sort of like, yeah. No, I was, I was like, I was frustrated about how much I liked some aspects of the third act and Mm -hmm. I wanted the rest of it to be as good as that. So I actually like the sequel more than the first one. Oh, cool. (laughs) That's, that's awkward in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) And I was reflecting a little bit more on this and it might be because the first Strangers movie 
um, came out, yeah, a little bit after Funny Games, but also after this movie, Vacancy. Do you remember this one? With Luke Wilson and Kate Beckinsale, where they're staying at like a motel and uh-huh. they find VHSs in their hotel room and they play them and it's of people getting tortured in mm. that room that they're staying in. Yeah, I do, I do kind of remember that, but I feel like I haven't seen it mm. or seen all of it. That might be an interesting one to revisit. Okay. To maybe do for an app. I'll, I'll do a little more research into it. I don't know how people feel about that one. Um, but I think a lot of the aspects of that movie... Um, made the strangers feel extra redundant when it first came out anyways i don't need to go into my criticism of the first one the the second one is what we're talking about and i really really i did enjoy that last third of it one thing i found extra frustrating too which is a thing that's happening a lot in horror movies these days Mm -hmm. is kind of half or a quarter buying into a certain aesthetic and not committing to it for the whole movie so you have and it's especially happening with synthwave soundtracks so uh, okay, Strangers Pray at Night. You have like a couple times this incredible synth wavy cool sound thing that happens for maybe twenty twenty five minutes of the movie spread across, mm. but then the rest of it is just kind of other scores, other things like rock songs and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so it's like an inconsistent aesthetic. And then you have in the pool scene the awesome like kind of neony colors. So you also want like a taste of this cool. That would have been good. Yeah, but you're not doing it for the whole movie like. Yeah the guest or neon demon does so brilliantly where Mm -hmm. it's start to finish committed to that aesthetic. Instead, you just kind of get little doses of these things. Right. And when you have something as particular and unique as like a synth wave score or neon colors, it frustrates me to get like tastes of it, but not, you know, consistently Mm. straight out through the whole thing. I just want a consistent aesthetic in a horror movie. I I appreciate that as well. Or, you know, show a very definitive change for a reason. If they're going to change the aesthetic, like behind the mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. Perfect. Yeah. Like, I I totally agree. At least like make it so it like looks like you know what you're doing. Yeah. So it doesn't stand out and catch your brain. It just, yeah, it just seems like going the extra mile for a brief scene or two and not, not having the time to do it for the whole thing that's the story of strangers too is they went the full mile for some of Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. and then just phoned it in for the rest absolutely it needs a little more writing like i think with a little more time and money this could have potentially been a great sequel i think you're right yeah Yeah. and hopefully it's like the potential in it is seen enough that they can make a third there's no reason that they wouldn't make a third with somebody inspired by the killings of the strangers yeah well do they they leave it ambiguous right at that last dude the last one yeah yeah and probably not, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. But I mean, just like paying attention to the slow moving dread and the persistence of them is what's important. Yeah. You know, add your cool aesthetic on top of that. But mm-hmm. just like you said, keep it consistent. Know what you're doing. Because it was so pleasing to hear Total Eclipse of the Heart too, yeah. while he's being chased in the pool. Like, <laughs> Dude. I, what an incredible scene. Like, so rare to have such a good scene in such a bad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but it won't be forgotten because of that. No, for me, it's a stunningly good scene. It's one of my favorite pool scenes. Yeah, that's, that's a bad pool scene. Is the one in it follows. Yeah, it follows terrible pool scene. Let the right one in. Amazing pool scene. Yeah, there we go. Like ama- like so simple and subtle, but be- we got to do that one soon. Let the right or yeah, let the right one. In. Let the right one in. Not let me in. Yeah, maybe do those. That'd be interesting to do back to back. Yeah, because we and we've never watched Ooh. neither of us have seen the second one, right? Yeah, that might be a. I don't know. We'll talk later. Remakes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk behind the curtain. All right, that was a good, substantial Strangers Pray at Night <laughs> combo. Scare and Tell. Um, what did you watch for Scare and Tell this week? This week I watched the comeback of M Night Shyamalan, The Visit. Nice. Yeah. First time. First time. First time. I I saw this one when it came out, but it's been a few years now. Yeah. What'd you think? 
I don't know. I think I didn't like it a lot. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was garbage. Garbage. On on the lesser side of the Shyamalan spectrum. Definitely. Like, Twist was terrible, poorly delivered. Oh, my God. The characters were classic Shyamalan, just nonsense. No one behaves like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Didn't even get a... He didn't even do a cameo in the movie, or that I saw. No, he had to have. I couldn't find him. I mean, it was so... There were so few characters. You never see anybody. But was it like maybe he was on like the a boat. bus stop or something like that? Like when they the, get dropped off near the top? Maybe like or on the boat where the mom is, like because when they video chat, like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. he's somebody there. But like, suit like not like the, someone who says a line and does something. You mm-hmm. know, that guy sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. But I thought the, I thought it was the most. It was written like an idiot. <laughs> like <laughs> this is what mental illness is. You know, like mm. that was just offensive watching like two people just walk around just squawking and shitting their diapers and you know like just doing like the most like typical horror movie thing like they put up the camera to watch the grandma in the night and she immediately walks over to it and goes in front of it (laughs) and then gets an and then puts it in front of the door and then gets a knife and walks up in front of the door i'm like that's not menacing it was menacing the first time you saw her doing doing something weird hmm. now it's just more of the same and so you're going to reveal later your big shamalan twist is that something weird is going on Ooh, like it was it was so bad really unsatisfying twist. yeah it's like oh they're meant their escape yeah and they killed the actual grandparents their escaped mental patients and you know that because they did the they had like the janitor's clothes or whatever from the that they killed those people and stole them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's it was awful. It's so hard to believe the circumstances under which the mom would drop them off at the grandparents without herself communicating yeah. with the grandparents for yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. And like that these kids are just like they're super motivated. Like we're gonna go meet our grandparents. Yeah. Like you can't live two minutes without your phone. Like that type of person isn't also incredibly deeply connected to family and right. You know that that made no sense. How have you never seen what they look like? Yeah, you've never even seen what they look like. But you're so jazzed to go see them and fill in that part of your history. Both right. kids have the same motivation. Yeah. And the one and then there's this one stupid scene in it where um, the the brother's interviewing the sister and he's like you never look at yourself in the mirror why and he's like zooming in on her and just like you hate yourself like like what the fuck is this shit (laughs) this isn't adding to anything this is just showing that these characters were written by an adult like they're not children this is sucks did he write it as well yeah it's a entirely written directed no one else is to blame no one else can be blamed although like you know jason bloom came in and you know, produced it. Yeah. I'm sure it had a pretty tight budget too. For Jason Blum, it was like, yeah, you can throw five million. This will. Yes. And they made a hundred. Holy shit. Cause it looked good. It did. It was exciting. I mean, this happens every time the Shyamalan dupe where he has a new <laughs> movie come out and you're like, Oh, this, this looks exciting. Like yeah. maybe, maybe this one will be good. <laughs> maybe this one. And usually they're not. Sometimes they're somewhat enjoyable, like split. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember in the visit, there was like one scene that kind of got to me was like the kids going in the oven. Like, wasn't the grandma like saying, go in the oven, clean the back of the oven? Yeah. And they're going to like, there was, that was like a little tense that I remember. Yeah. But, um, there was, there was this moment where like, for, oh, the acting was just so terrible. Like I hate it so much, but, um, she's like, can you clean the arbitrary just out of nowhere? Can you clean the oven? And the kid's like, okay, get right in there. No, you got to get right in. 
you know, don't worry. Like, <laughs> I feel like that, and it did. I was a little uncomfortable. I'm like, just when is the axe going to drop here? Like, I was squirming in my seat because it took too long for nothing to happen. And at that point, you don't understand what's happening. I kind of suspected maybe like a Hansel and Gretel witch type situation where they're going to sure. cook the kit, like something of that nature. Something. But it was unknown. Like, it was mostly unknown at that time. It was very early in the film. Yeah. It was just like after 930, the grandparents were going to stop acting like people and would start acting like they're incredibly characteristic characterized versions of you know people from a mental hospital right you know they just go and they scream and they crawl on the floor and they bash their head against stuff and they shit in diapers and rub it on your head like it's it was just almost offensive how bad it was and uh, i talked to somebody who like suggested that it was like it was very 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 tongue-in-cheek and like you know shaman making fun of himself a little bit Mm -hmm. the one the brother the youngest kid is a germaphobe um, just like in signs, like they have the same thing with the microbes in the water with the little girl. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. There were a few this others. Is Cody. This is the Cody defense. Yes. <laughs> this guy defends this. Like he makes the strangest choices with what movies he wants to defend. Yeah. That this, the purge, he thinks they're just so stunning that they must be talked about. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was the worst piece of shit that I, yeah, I, I put it out of my mind mostly right out, and I haven't really thought about it until right now. $5 million, $100 million yeah. revenue. That's That being said, I will still go see whatever he makes. Yep. <laughs> yep. He'll be there. Keep going, Shyamalan. There is literally... You can keep making movies. Keep making worse and worse movies, and we're still going to see them. This is an exercise in some, mm-hmm. some amazing phenomenon anyway. Yeah, maybe it's just his brilliance in concept and not follow-through concepts <laughs> that are so great in trailer form like that you see and you're like oh i need to see what happens here you know yeah. you see even the one he produced devil you're like oh I, I need to see how this plays out yeah like i know it's not going to be memorable but i just i need to know i need to scratch that itch just like maybe a star wars sequel for me maybe a little bit less for you sure yeah it, it makes sense and i guess some people love it yeah i thought it was so bad well that was a pretty bleak scare and tell <laughs> <laughs> yes it was two ones that we didn't love but um yeah, I don't really know how to segue here. Oh, I guess we should do our segment to Saving Christie. Miss Saving Christie. Watched. Guess what we watched? Um, Milo and Otis. Mm, nope. Second guess? Evolution. Nope. <laughs> um, I was hoping you'd guess Poltergeist. Ah, uh, that would have been wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're a little bit off with our weeks. Um, we got a lot of sequels coming down the pipe, so mm-hmm. I thought maybe we'd. Ready? Bop up Poltergeist a little bit. A lot of number twos and threes. Scary exactly. Kids. Speaking of number twos, the Stephen Chris movie we watched, <laughs> VHS 2. Oh, I thought you were saying, like, speaking of twos, like, dumps. <laughs> <laughs> we watched VHS 2. Like, so ah, I thought about it was poops. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Shitty Scare and Tell, number two, sequels. <laughs> yeah. It's all tying together. It this is. the theme. I'm like, oh, I thought it was pretty good. But what's not a stinky poop is VHS 2. VHS 2 is so good so good i think first of zombie bike mm. yeah 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 that's that's just one of the most interesting unique zombie stories ever mm-hmm. it's great it's just so great so small that's what we need more of in the zombie world is not full movies not full like 70 season series world war z full scale yeah. world smaller yeah. just like five or six people you know watch mechanically how a situation turns around on these people get Mm -hmm. involved or attached to a couple of them you know show some weird quirk like how he's like half recognizing what's going on or it's so so satisfying that when he just transitions into the zombie gets the hunger goes to his old friend or the people that meet up and 
attacks another person and then that person sits up and looks towards him yeah. and his GoPro. As they're just like eating the belly of one guy, he yeah. sits up and looks at them. <laughs> yeah. And he goes and he gets that like big like fork thing stuck in his eye and then that's like in the shot yes. for the, like, the rest of the in time. The frame. Is there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. That's a wonderful short and perfect for a short, not a feature. Exactly. Like, yeah, I love that it's a short. Very satisfying. For me, I think of... Um, uh, sacrament but haunted <laughs> oh yeah yeah and specifically the uh, dude like standing covered in blood and then exploding explodes and then the thing run, running on the ceiling yeah yeah that is just ape shit i love that mo- that's maybe if there was like a short that you could just show people and surprise the shit out of them oh my god for sure that one like yeah because it starts so common paced it's just a documentary film crew just interviewing you know a r- religious group that they want to inquire about mm-hmm. so good yeah but then you end with <laughs> remember <laughs> oh yeah we laughed at that yeah that. what were the other two shorts alien slumber party yeah and then robo eye yeah 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 i do love robo i think of that every time i think of adam wingard like because none him. of his other movies yeah. like i guess it is because it's him yeah, yeah but i just think of him in that looking in the mirror going like this bullshit you know oh just <laughs> looking at his own face and acting and just like that act of gouging it out like taking it out of himself so he doesn't yeah. have to see it anymore amazing and then for that final shot to be from the eye the camera now out of his eye that can still see that shit yeah but he can't and watch him get yeah. attacked. like it's but it's he's a great yeah show. he's already been like affected because he's seen them so they know he's there and yeah he shoved the eye down his throat more adam wingard simon barrett movies please mm-hmm yeah, the get back together. The dynamic duo. Yes, please. People will give you money now. Mm-hmm. Do something. Specifically, Dave and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got three dollars in one pocket, <laughs> and I can sell Dave's Xbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's go back to the haunted house. Let's watch Poltergeist happen again. Hey, never seen it. You? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, see what happens so we're gonna go in and watch the sequel to poltergeist which is maybe not as good (laughs) hope there's not a clown hope not but you never know i don't want a number two all over this couch (laughs) (laughs) all right man cheers cheers (laughs) i like to think that Uh, Craig T. Nelson, it was very much like um, the priest in Exorcist 2, where he just kept drinking the whole second half of the set. He got drunker and drunker. He got drunker and drunker and insisted that like he has his bottle on set the whole time, yeah. so they just had to write it <laughs> into the character. It's like, well, we did have this worm effect we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I think I can work with this. Did they ever? Yeah. They're, the practical effects were just nothing we could have ever predicted. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had no idea that that was to be a component at all like it's not a giant skeleton monster mm. in this one it's all sorts of weird shit yeah well I, I like i had a feeling that practical effects were going to be a big part of it because they, it was a part of the first one weren't they nominated for an academy award for their practical effects for this movie yeah holy shit yeah well i know i read somewhere that they got um this a surrealist artist to do some of the design his name is hr G-I-G-E-R, Geiger, Gidger. H-R Geiger. Um, yeah, so they got a surrealist artist to help okay. with some of the cool effects in design, which is an awesome idea. Yeah, absolutely. To get, get an external artist who's already kind of known to come in and like just have free reign over weird effects. Yeah. 
but I never could have imagined. I just thought it would be weird ghosties and skeletons like the first one. That's what I thought. I thought we were just going to get, and we did. We got a ton of that just weird CGI glowy fog effect. Totally. Which I didn't love. Mm. But I mean, I think that's a product of the time. Exactly. Like just knowing that it's of its time, I kind of enjoyed watching it, especially yeah. when they're floating in the cloud world. That felt like yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Sunken place of the 80s. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little too like rock and roll, vibrant neon. Uh-huh. Yeah. I really liked how they kind of teased the beginning. Like, oh, you're probably expecting us to do some toy stuff. So we'll get that over with right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, you showed her a creepy room full of toys and that one robot actually firing its gun yeah like shooting at them like that was pretty creepy yeah that was a pretty good scene Uh uh-huh yeah and they had several good scenes like i thought overall it was a significantly goofier take on poltergeist than the first one but like Mm -hmm. i thought it was still pretty effective and pretty fun yeah i was surprised at how much like i was never bored i was fully an hour and a half that's yeah it thank goodness it was it was nice and tight but also i thought it carried the mythology in the story like in a very convincing way forward, mm-hmm. like expand on, okay, what was this thing that was beneath their old house? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Sort of the mythos of what happened in the first one finally gets explained. So yeah. we just get to see all the symptoms in the first movie mm-hmm. and then they, yeah, they show us a lot of like proof of concepts and then the second one, they go into that history and then they've also sort of uh, put a face to the evil force. Totally. In like a very effective way. Usually mm. when you expand on stories like this, it just kind of becomes silly and doesn't feel mm-hmm. that substantial or convincing. Yeah. But this is really convincing. They got a really menacing looking old motherfucker. Oh, dude, he was creepy as shit. Uh-huh. And he was just like constantly smiling with that huge toothy smile. Yeah. And singing that hymn yeah. everywhere he was walking. Yeah. In the Lord's whatever. Yeah. And then the to make him temple. like, to make him this creepy cult leader. Yeah. is so convincing as well and that he's just kind of the ghost of this cult leader and that that's what all those bodies were underneath the old house like i just really really enjoyed how it tied together mm-hmm. and really yeah built on that first one yeah that's all the spirits that were like basically have yeah. been attacking their family are all from this one guy leaving these you know poor people underground and them all dying yeah because of it and then he is no longer a human because of doing that he turns into the beast mm-hmm. like that's crazy that's really cool like how uh, something so it's kind of like freddy krueger how like just pure evil can become like permanent and yeah. you just can't get rid of it anymore and maybe this is because they did take a few years with this one they didn't like mm. 12 months later try to shove it out yeah 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 yeah. we got a few years for the writers to really come up with something good story-wise mm-hmm. and they, it didn't show on these actors faces you pointed out when we were watching like it did not look like four years had gone no, by. the kids like, like the kids especially they don't Maybe I just need to see like a, a screenshot of the first ones, but they mm-hmm. look like roughly the same age and if as it, that first movie. Maybe if we heard the little girl speaking in the first one, mm-hmm. she would have just been like, you know, one of those mindless tri- children, mommy or whatever. I'm scared. But in this one, she like had some quirks and like yep. had punchlines and stuff and could more, I don't know, communicate and speak. Yeah. Yeah. But before we go any further with praise, we obviously have to point out just how racist this movie is yeah, in yeah. its portrayal of first nations <laughs> i would love love to just skim over that but they just mm-hmm. it's woven into like every second scene just the this take on native americans and we even jokingly said like three quarters of the way through is there any stereotypes left that they haven't exploited yeah and then they exploited more stereotypes they found like, a couple more like fire yeah like you said fire yeah. walking the drinking yeah. just the way that he spoke is just the shots of the desert and the hawk with the like, like right in yeah. that one scene it's on his face and uh-huh. then the hawk noise is the cut to a canyon like the yeah. drumming and chanting and just to like significantly imply that you know first nations people have this this strong Powers. connection to yeah. power of nature and 
Yeah, so all of that is just an indelible stain on the sequel for sure and really holds it back from... Yeah, dude, well said. Yeah. That's that's probably the biggest difference between the two movies is one, it just seems like your run-of-the-mill, like pseudo-Christian, spiritual, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you see, like I said, the symptoms of what's going on, but they don't really go into, you know... It doesn't, Causes. Yeah, it doesn't become very Christian or even very... I guess, native spiritualist, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. This one, it is just so pointedly colored in that direction. Absolutely. You can't get away from it. It's exploiting stereotypes. And that's a real shame because that really is going to affect its longevity um, from a critical glance on like how how this movie is overall. Yeah. Um but that being said, I mean these practical effects we we thoroughly loved and were surprised and yeah. just like it raised eyebrows every time like in a good way. Yeah, definitely. Every every time we saw some new thing that we weren't expecting. So I think we should just go let's go through all of those practical effect scenes. Sure. I I'd like to just start with the best one um which was him puking up the, the worm. The worm creature that goes under the bed. And this starts with when we see the worm in the tequila bottle. Yeah, it seems like we have to keep going back and back to begin how good that, that was because he's just walking around with a bottle of tequila. Yes. And it, he's hilarious. He's learning lessons. You know, you, we get a look at that worm and then it zooms real close in on the worm and the eye opens up. That's you know? where it starts was, and you're like, holy shit. Oh, what? that's a weird effect. Cool. Because you just see the tequila worm in the bottle and you're like, oh yeah, right. Tequila, there's a yeah. worm in the bottom. But then yeah. to zoom in yeah. on that little eye... <laughs> yeah, and it just opens up, and you know, and that's the thing. Like the worm is supposed to make you go nuts, you know, it makes you like hallucinate, and it's got all like the it absorbs the toxins and stuff. So it's a great, it's a great little like kind of trope to exploit yeah. for the sake of horror. That was awesome. That yeah, there's like a possessed version of a tequila worm. Uh-huh. I loved that, and then he, you know, Stranger Things style vomits it up. Uh huh. And it immediately after clearly going through an internal struggle, yeah. where like he's clearly inside there, even though he's possessed, and he's fighting with himself yeah. once he hears his wife saying, I love you, I love you. That yeah. seems to like invoke him to he, yeah, yeah, fight he, it out of him. He see oh, this is so cool. So the mom and daughter are taking a bath, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he cruises in and uh, Carol Ann's like standing there in her towel and he picks up the hair dryer and there's the bath full of water right behind her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. And then the wow. wife walks in and takes it right out of his hand and starts using it. Yeah. So he can't. So then you see him in this moment where he's possessed. He's like, I'm going to kill her. And then the wife walks in. He's like, I'm going to turn you against her. It's mm-hmm. like, you never wanted to have her. It's all her fault. And then gets momently, momentarily distracted by being in a young body and just yeah. wants to fuck. Horniness takes him. <laughs> gets real rapey. Yeah. And then he kind of remembers his task and what he's doing there. Yeah. And then, ugh, that's, that's real creepy. You don't Very know exactly, exactly what's going on in his head because and he's also like taunting her, you yes, know, at the same time. Exactly. And Craig T. Nelson does an awesome job in that scene oh, of channeling yeah. that other actor's mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, uh, I know it's in the other direction, but like this family is just the Dark Skies family mm. or Dark Skies has taken heavily from Poltergeist. Right. It's like right. delivery of a family unit. Yeah. Like the, you know, the somewhat non-believing dad, but he's not like mm-hmm. pure antagonistic towards people trying to help them. He's just like a realist person and he's a real kind of funny goof. Totally. He lives in, uh, he, he's struggling to get a job mm-hmm. in uh, Dark, Dark Skies and that's like sort of this thing here. He goes off on his monologue right in the beginning about loving selling vacuums and stuff. No, un- undoubtedly the Poltergeist family 
is kind of like the gold standard of that archetype sure. of haunted house and the family and the roles of the individual in that family. Yeah. Um, I, I like though specifically with him, I like that the direction that he goes as like the skeptic dad mm-hmm. doesn't go to like a paranormal activity place where like the skepticism Total is very denial. strong. Yeah. yeah. It's like, He's like half accepting, but when things are crazy, he just reacts with the tools that he has. He's like, "This is nuts. Let's run away," yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. And it takes him a while to believe everyone, but he always kind of does. Like he's got this yeah. real great look in their eyes and listen to what they're saying kind of personality. There's a nice amount of realism, yeah, yeah to his he, character. He doesn't come off as a flat, brutish dad character, which are typically pretty stupid in mm-hmm. horror movies. I I want to go back and watch the original Emily Horrorville. I think we should do that sooner yeah, than yeah, later because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's before Poltergeist, and that's a lot of the same kind of tropes. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious to see how that handles. Absolutely, a lot of dude. these ideas. I would love and just to open up that franchise for us. Great, do Amityville stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. So then, after fighting internally with himself, right, with this giant worm, we start to see a little bit of goop come out. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of like swirling, a little rubbery, tease, yeah. a little tease, and it's so satisfying, especially nowadays with cheaply made horror movies that are just kind of production line, get them out as quickly mm. as possible. You don't get that same kind of like a little tease of a practical effect and then it just kind of grows and gets bigger and yeah, bigger yeah, yeah. in this kind of satisfying way. And it gets chunkier and soon it just gets so giant that it's this long, like maybe what, four or five feet length thing, yeah. worm thing. It's this like larva kind of thing. It's curled up at the bottom and then when yeah. it slithers under the bed. What the puppeteers were doing with it, which was really cool, is they were spinning it like like how, like a crocodile rolls. Mm. So like the little rubbery tail-like piece on the end flailing was around. flailing and slapping against the floor. Yeah. Like that twisting motion was very obvious rather than just shaking it or slapping it like, a, like you might think to intuitively do with a puppet. Right. It's got this very specific twisting motion which works with the shape of this rubbery tadpole-tailed thing. Yeah, that's very nice. It worked really good and then it slithered under the bed the fact that it leaves like a sludgy trail as it was a slug for where it's going is just such a like going the extra mile too with this creature yeah so it goes under the bed and then it like sort of like unravels from like an embryonic sac exactly yeah like you said larvae and i think that's perfect it's just emerging from this thing into its kind of larger form yeah it's like whatever it is humanoid kind of bitey mammalian skull with like an open rib cage but then by the time it flips the bed over it's gotten a full-on like kind of demony torso doesn't really have like extensive limbs no at that point it's got one arm and a stump yeah and even so it's it's clearly that same being that's manifesting that but also that being takes the form of the medusa looking kind of creature with the long yeah. like yeah it doesn't have a head but just kind of has like these scraggly arm things yeah, in the place just, like out of a neck just like yeah medusa is perfect they look oh. like worm tail or worm snaky kind of things coming out of its head totally it's got a very similar um effect to real quick dave's game corner oh yeah i want to play a game <laughs> Yeah. Dave's in the corner playing games. Wanna play a game? I'm playing Bloodborne right now. If any of our scaredy cats know Bloodborne, it's in the Souls series, sort of. Yeah, tell them about software. this. You've, you've tweeted it, or you've yeah, you've mentioned it a couple times in various places. It's they're they're RPGs. They're super hard, and you're just dealing with all these crazy monstrosities of what humans can become if they're sort of infinitely alive. Okay. Or the way that they can twist in the memory or or, or in the imagination. Mm-hmm. And there, some of the monsters are just exactly that. They're these big skeletal, like vaguely humanoid shapes, but with like body parts that are vaguely human or snakes or worms or just shit like that mm. curling off of their heads and just flopping around as they swing at you trying to kill you. Wow. Like it looked a lot like Bloodborne. 
Yeah, I mean, vaguely human is exactly what this thing was. Yeah. It had a rib cage, had kind of little, weird little stumpy things. It was still yeah, sluggish, yeah. and had a face that resembled what's his face, the preacher guy from the yeah. beginning, which is yeah. so great. And the face was like animated pretty well. Like it smiled at them right before it crawled out of the room. Like, uh-huh. What a great little touch. Yeah. So just that was just such a wonderful sequence, wonderful practical effect. Insane. That was so loved good. it. Loved it. I think it's. I think that is better than that big skeleton dragon we see in the first one. You remember that? Skeleton Dragon. Is that the ghosty effect? Yeah. It's not practical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like that thing as being the big set piece monster creature that they see. Fully agree. Yeah. This one was way better and more interesting to look at. Yeah. I think maybe overall the effects are better in this one. I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. Than the first movie. Yeah. And the first one is more about like I guess the the scares underneath it, right? This whole the concept itself is enough to carry that first one. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, they are relying more on like showing you really yeah. kind of creepy looking things yeah and they they do a good job in the background too with some of those effects like with the um dead the old dead people from under the house or whatever mm-hmm. like when they're in a closet or in a mirror or yeah. those things are really good and how like that's always a fake out but it, it builds this um this sense of their house is actually haunted like this it, the house itself i mean it is them mm-hmm. like in most actual haunting things but like and that like you open the you're just trying to find your kid because they're screaming and you open a closet and a bunch of like zombie hands like reach out at you. But then it's just like shit falling out of the the closet. Yeah. Having to do that like 15 times throughout the movie, mm-hmm. like really begins to foster the sense of like you don't know when you see a crazy thing, if it's real or not. Right. Like I, I love that sort of wishy washy dream kind of brought me back to Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really great. No, I, yeah, I, I like those skeletons popping out every once in a while because I take that as because they're on kind of thin ice. They're in like a thin place between the real world and the world of the dead because this dude is trying to get Caroline and they spend so much time on that old property yeah. that these are the souls of all those people, all his mm-hmm. cult followers yes. that are constantly being like, fucking help us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you're so close. Help us out. Reaching out just as if they're still like yeah. buried underneath there so trying to a, get out. It's a good fake out. It's not like, a, oh, it was actually this. Like this is still some force that's actually yeah. having an effect. But yes, it's, it's not as nefarious as the main dude. It's not what you imagine a jump scare typically is, is it's just to scare the, the person in the moment, mm-hmm. right? To scare the character so that you're constantly being scared watching a horror no. movie. These like, yeah, theoretically, they're not doing something terrifying. They no. could just be like, help. Exactly. Like, fucking help. And it's also scaring them, but it has that yeah. more substantial context. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I like Solid. that a lot. Yeah. That brings us to the uh, braces, which is a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, early on. dude, what a great effect! I loved that because <laughs> even and it's so it's so well directed in that you start you see him kind of looking in the mirror and he has to brush his braces, but the way that mm-hmm. it's zooming in and it's showing you these are what braces are, yeah. you just know you know you're watching a poltergeist movie. You're mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is gonna happen? Yep. And the movie delivers 110. Yeah, it kind of even reminded me of that Suspiria scene with the razor wire. Totally. Um, but like he, it just starts a little bit. It, climbs out of his mouth like a little worm starts going up over his head first like three or four strands yeah and then by the time like his dad's able to bash his way in there and Mm -hmm. see what's going on he's like up in the ceiling just like one eye is exposed terrified just covered in wire it's just wrapping around him (laughs) and holding him up in the top corner of the bathroom then it starts wrapping around the dad he gets caught he's pulling it off of his neck and there's one big coil of it pushing towards the the power socket socket so good that's such a great high pressure scene he's like someone's dying here somebody is dead Real consequences. Yeah. And, at stake. and then it's just all gone. As soon as that, like, uh-huh. you know, they get, it gets close enough to like shock and then everybody falls down and mm-hmm. it's just gone. Mm-hmm. So good. Wonderful. 
And then like the pillar of heads that one fakely resembled um Caroline. Yeah. Caroline, yeah. yeah. Like just that was such a creepy, disturbing looking thing. It was. That and was for gross. it to be like a they're trying like it it was clearly trying to freak as the native said it's clearly trying to freak him out it's a distraction yeah. it's not it's real. an illusion it's an illusion to prevent them from trying to cross over to rescue her yeah because they're like oh shit this is a scary thing that we're gonna throw in its path so i like i really liked yeah. that as a it's just strange looking thing trying to scare you to not walk through the fire exactly. but you have to and then the dad at this point has built up enough courage enough feathers yeah. enough feather badges to <laughs> to do it and then they walk through the fire and they go to that crazy netherist place yeah like uh reminded me of um never and never ending story okay yeah yeah right like where he's riding artemis through not artemis atreyu through like a big cloudy (laughs) dog dragon yeah exactly yeah that's that's what that'll look like but then you have this awesome face off with all the different creatures crazy monster that yeah they're fighting and then and then there's a stupid like fake out where she like floats off towards the light and the fucking grandma comes out like what come on grandma comes out and she's like no stupid go back to your family and just turns her around by the shoulders yeah <laughs> a, a little silly so the re the reason one question that i have is there is what is the motivation for this thing to want carolan is it just because he had a bunch of kids in this cult and she's the youngest one in this house yeah, i feel like that's that. slightly under addressed Yes, I, I agree with that. And maybe it's just the fact that um, Taylor says it. He's in the moment where, is the kid Jacob? Uh, I think so. Maybe. That sounds right. So the boy is wrapped up in wires and stuff, and it's all a big, huge, freaky thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, Taylor, help us. And he's like, nah, dog. And he won't move. Yeah. Because he's protecting Caroline. Which is great. And, that that was yeah. very exciting. Because you're like, even at that point in the movie, you're still not fully sure of who's the bad guy, who's the good guy. Yeah, they did both, a good job. Yeah. Up to like about 40 minutes into the movie, both sides are telling you, no, the other one is the evil force. I'm the good force. And yeah. you genuinely don't know who to believe. Yeah. So that scene did a great job of holding that tension still. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is he really protecting Caroline or is he allowing this thing to come in and, and attack. attack Jacob? And, yeah. Yeah. Almost whittling down the family a little smaller. Exactly. Exactly. It's great. Mm-hmm. But it was just great as like a tension building too of like, mm-hmm. oh, she's the real stakes here. Yeah. Like, so as exactly why, seems like, yeah. It seems under-delivered. She was the first one encountered. Yeah. yeah. Under-delivered is right. But. And I, I love that the movie kicks off um, with them listening to a radio and him being like, can't we get a TV? And the dad being like, no. No. We're not getting a TV. Oh, we can't. Do you get remember a TV. what happened a few years ago? <laughs> no more TVs. He doesn't even say, yeah, he just goes, no, we can't get a TV. <laughs> I feel like overall he was a little goofier in this one. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the mullet just really put him in a goofy spot. He was super ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. for the third, he had enough focus mm-hmm. and intention that he was a good good dad. Good dad to follow through. Yeah. And the mom is a great actress. Like yeah. she she did a really good job in this one, I think. Yeah, she she does awesome. Like the moments where she the moment where she got dragged underground in that dream, mm-hmm. where the arms come out and just like drag her under the turf. Like that was good. Oh, that was, that was a good, very shot. evil daddy. Yeah, and like you knew it was a dream. You knew that mm-hmm. like of course. in Poltergeist two, the mom doesn't die forty minutes in because yeah. she gets dragged underground. And that's it. That's just the thing, kind of about horror movies in general, or the form of a horror movie is you know, based on where you're at in the movie usually if something is going to be a dream or not yeah. if something's real what's going to happen you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah, do yeah. you we do get exciting ones that subvert that but that is kind of a giveaway somewhat it's Definitely. just the form itself yeah exactly if you're if you're savvy enough mm-hmm. when you watch there are certain moments where you're just not scared because yeah. you know 
Totally. And then some movies trick you on that. And it's pleasant when they do. Yeah. But we know things like Poltergeist 2 won't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know this is 1982. We're, yeah. It would be very surprising if it if it did yeah. subvert those things. This is the th- These types of movies are the ones that making the things that will one day become subverted. Become eventually. Yeah. 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 They're inventing the cliche at this exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, overall, like, I mean, I really, I know Poltergeist 3 is revered for a few particular reasons. So mm-hmm. I was expecting this one to be kind of a slump. Like I was just yeah. expecting it to be kind of very much cookie cutter of the first one. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised with, yep. yeah, just the expansion of the story and the practical effects. I can understand going from a Spielberg movie to this going like that was fucking silly. Mm-hmm. But like as someone who likes the first movie who likes horror movies in general it's it's a great continuation of the story totally opens up the logic really well i think one of the better sequels that we've watched so far yeah uh, in the in this like 80s mm-hmm. in the 80s i think I, totally. I agree with that yeah i think at the end of this year slash season we should once we've done all the sequels of the franchises <laughs> we did in the first one we should maybe do a little ranking of what we thought okay. the best to worst sequels of horror movies were yeah the best that might be interesting the best twos yeah exactly <laughs> before we move on to our year of three equals yeah yeah oh, that'll be fun Whew. awesome man yeah that's maybe, a good one yeah great i'm very happy with that check that out scary cats if you haven't i don't know why you listen to this episode but check out, <laughs> check out poltergeist 2 oh let's go to some instagram comments, comments. <clears throat> All right, um, we have a comment here on our Nightmare on Elm Street 2 post by Champagne Video Store, who says, just watched this yesterday. You guys should check out the Never Sleep Again documentary if you haven't yet. Lots of interesting details on Freddy's Revenge. I'm compelled. Also, I am, but I've never, ever heard of that. Well, I'm assuming based on, and I think I have heard of this mention, or I think I have heard this mentioned before, um, Nightmare on Elm Street documentary about the whole franchise. Okay. Yeah. What holds me back is I want to watch all of them first. I, yeah. It's kind of the same. I agree wholeheartedly. Is Yeah. I, I love, so far, I really love Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. but I haven't all the way dove in yet. So, exactly. I don't want any spoilers for all the later chapters. Yeah. So, but once we get there, then definitely. Mm-hmm. Same with like Camp Crystal Lake is apparently like a huge, I think it's a very long, like four or five hour, yeah. multiple part documentary about the Friday the 13th series. But I know they're going to show clips and deaths, of and course. I don't. I want to see those. Yeah, and there's going to be movies. Going to be some scene in like yeah. four or five that's like really like a lot of people base their arguments on because Jason does blank. You know like, exactly. I don't want to know that yet. No. So you're a little ahead of us, uh, Champagne Video Store. Yeah. We'll get there. Back off. But until then, <laughs> we're going to wait and watch it. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, thank you for that. Now that we uh, now we have that in our heads. Also, Bat City. Scaregrounds, just some awesome Insta handles today. Bat City Scaregrounds. Bat City Scaregrounds. <laughs> nice. Um, just commented with a pumpkin head emoji, mm-hmm. which I think would make more sense for the Halloween post Halloween franchise. Halloween pumpkin head trick or treat. It would fit anywhere. Is it even? Is it even in um, Nightmare on Elm Street? Is it Halloween in Nightmare on Elm Street too? I don't think there's any reference to that. No. I don't think it is. So maybe it's just a celebratory. I guess the pumpkin head emoji is kind of like the thumbs up of horror emojis. It, or just like a, it's the jack-o'-lantern, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's like a smiley face, specifically yeah, like yeah, a skull. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit. We'll take like a it. smiley face. Thanks, Bat City Scaregrounds. Thanks for the awesome Insta handle and the reasonable use of an emoji. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, we need to talk before we... Hold up. Hold up before we get to the song. Hold the fuck up. We need to talk about that floating chainsaw. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, the chainsaw chase that could have been. Oh, yeah. So 
I, I loved it for what it was. Don't yeah. get me wrong. And this is, I think, the third chainsaw. I want to keep track of the chainsaws. We this are, Texture's Dave Saw. I want to keep track of the chainsaws. We're keeping track of all the the Dave Saws that we see yes. along the way. So first Dave Saw was Pieces, pieces I believe. Yeah. What was the second one? I'm blanking. Uh, we had, It was a chainsaw fight in Phantasm 2. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Nice, dude. With Was it like an extra long chainsaw or something insane? The one guy had a chainsaw. Randy, is that it? the the friend? Um, I feel um, like it's um. something like that. But um, and then one of the um, tall man's minions yeah. walks in with a significantly bigger chainsaw. Yes, and then they're and then they have a chainsaw fight. Yeah, wonderful. So that was chainsaw two. Chainsaw. Oh, and was there one in Leprechaun? Two. Uh, there was like a saw type thing. There was the saw was blade like, with the face. Yes. I, yeah. I don't know if there was a chainsaw. So as far as we can recall, I think I think this is the third Dave saw. Yeah. we've seen which which is really funny because um <laughs> we're called the texas Chris dave saw massacre mm-hmm. but we have not yet watched te- uh, texas chainsaw not yet nor have we watched evil dead it's true the two like <laughs> big essential chainsaw. chainsaws yeah so we're pleased to be stumbling on chains on dave chainsaws saws, like, <laughs> without word so we're thrilled whenever it's, yeah. it's a hilarious thing that has happened but we, we are thrilled whenever a chainsaw pops up in a movie especially a possessed ghost chainsaw holy shit so to have a floaty <laughs> chainsaw like that cliche of a dude with a chainsaw trying to get in the car cutting through mm-hmm. but there's no dude it's just a chainsaw cutting in yeah the chainsaw is the of its own accord yeah and it was great and to like go down the glass front with that yeah. screechy sound like it's I, just, I was loving that yeah it was just chopping up the car yeah exactly just destroying it and then i commented it would be great if as they drove away the chainsaw <laughs> is floating and following them down and you have like a high speed car chase with a chainsaw falling like that would you would just need the wide shot of the road where oh, the car goes exactly. by like shoo, and, and then, then the chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if we if if it was more of a campy film, then that would definitely happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was. Thank you for bringing that. Oh, up. that could, was a very important. Moment. I would have hated our. I would have hated us if we had forgotten to, mm-hmm. to mention that. <laughs> well, scaredy cats, thanks for listening to another episode of the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre. Have a good rest of your weekend. I'm Chris Vandenberg. I'm David Stoneborough. And as always, chaos reigns. Chaos reigns. Chaos reigns. Chaos reigns. Tequila worms are sketchy. Chaos reigns. Stick to rum. (laughs) See you scaredy cats next time.